With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I have no idea why they're not willing to give him the job. I mean, (laughs) he's a better platoon left field bat than the guys they have in camp. But probably the most important thing is to have him available, um, you know, once the postseason starts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look at all these there. chickens that are already had. <laughs> like, where do you draw the line of a veteran and a young guy? Is it three and a half years of experience? And welcome once again to Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 47. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I'm joined tonight by Joshua Hausam for the fakest podcast covering the fake games. How are you doing tonight, Josh? <laughs> uh, not too bad. And you? Uh, well, I feel like I'm genuine, but the podcast can still be fake, right? <laughs> yeah, I think that covers it nicely. Uh, so, uh, right off the top, I wanted to mention that we have a Patreon. Um, if you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can go on over to uh, yeah, www.patreon.com slash turfpod uh, and you can help us out with a donation there and there's lots of fun bonuses that will kick in when we get to uh, certain overall levels so check that out one of the bonuses is to have your name mentioned on the podcast and a big thank you sent out so we have some thank yous for the first time this week uh, a special thank you to Luke Porterfield Dino Champlone and Melissa Dean and a very special thank you to Colleen Evans and Gideon Turk. Y'all know who you are. Who's this Gideon guy? <laughs> Sounds familiar. I don't know. But <laughs> we're going to a... have them on the podcast at some point to play some games. That is the exciting thing about uh, about their donation level. So, again, swing on over to Patreon if you uh, think it would be fun to join us and uh, maybe try and stump Josh. Everybody wants to play swing and a drive, but we can't do that every week, can we? (laughs) Um, It's the spring training, so we'll move on to spring training. Um, We have some news about Travis, some speculation about an old Jay, third baseman, a couple of other names still floating around. We have Steve Pierce and Troy Tulowitzki playing games. We have some people running off the WBC. Then we have an interview with Matt Corey about the Boston Red Sox, we have your usual questions, and we've got a do-over and a gold star this week, because I guess we feel ambitious. Could be. Um, let's start I love how it's like, you're slogging through us, like, we have this and this, and, and then we have an interview. Well, I'm, I'm more thrilled about the like interview. Greg does not like talking about spring training. I don't. I'm trying. Look, hey, the Jays are 2-9 and nine right now, and they're six games back. I think they're really going to have to put a run in, and I just don't see that they have it in them. <laughs> That's it. He gave, Greg sees the standings, and he knows that they can't win the Grapefruit League title, so he's given up. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> uh, I, lo- I love our scoreboard update at the beginning of these. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna follow that religiously for the next four weeks. Uh, so the real news from camp is something that's not happening. Apparently, is Devin Travis is we knew he wasn't playing in games, but now it's like he might not even be ready for opening day. Yeah, it's definitely not the news we wanted to hear. So this is from from John Gibbons. Quote: To be honest, I don't know when he's going to be back and ready to go. It's one of those things where if it costs him a couple of weeks or whatever it might be at the beginning of the season, so be it. I expect him to be honest, to be a little farther along than he is. That's I like should have done that like Gibby. <laughs> you should have. Well, to be I'm honest, back, I though. don't know where he's <laughs> going to be back. You know, you know, he's he's gonna be he's coming along. He's got his own plan. Uh, you, you can't you can't really say with these things. Is that close? No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. But anyway, yeah. So Travis is still hurt. <laughs> But I, what I don't understand is it's like he he might still have a bone bruise. There's there's no way to narrow it down a little more than that. Like, it, it seems really weird to me. Yeah, bone bruises, they just heal when they heal. It's not really a, a predictable thing. I guess. So, yeah, everything's up in the air. Um, so the the Blue Jays might be in the market for a second baseman who can hit better than Darwin Barney. And yes, we will get to Darwin Barney later in our listener questions segment. <clears throat> Brett Laurie. Yeah, he's, <laughs> so surprisingly <laughs> got released at the, about a week ago, but after our last podcast, I guess, for, by the Chicago White Sox, even though he was, you know not non-tendered which a lot of people thought might happen so they had to pay a sixth of his salary why would they like did they sign someone in the interim or trade for someone in the interim who replaced brett laurie it's, I, it's hard to say why i mean he has he's been sourced so he hasn't actually played any games either so which i'm going to come back to in a minute but the other thought seems to have been that they expected to trade todd frazier and then they'd move Brett Thory, Brett Thory, Brett Laurie <laughs> New to guy. third, and then play Yohan Mankata at second, who they got for Chris Sale. But now that they still have Fraser, they wanted to clear a path for Mankata. That's a lot of uh, moving pieces, as as teams rebuilding, I guess, tend to have. So there he is out on the free agent market. We've we've seen a whole bunch of names floated around, but to <coughs> pardon me. To my understanding, it was. Jim Bowden mentioned a bunch of names and then Baseball America, I think, quoted him and then he referenced Baseball America back like they'd mentioned the names in the first place. Oh, so I don't know. I, I didn't I'm see not 100% sure anyone knows where the, the four team names came from that were actually interested in Brett. So here's the thing with Brett Laurie to the Blue Jays. One, he's hurt. So bringing in a hurt guy to replace a hurt guy is not the best strategy. But also, I just don't see a fit. I mean, Brett Laurie, whatever team he picks, he's not going to pick a team where with the lineup healthy, he's going to be a backup. So while he would make a lot of sense for the Blue Jays as a backup infielder because he can hit a heck of a lot better than their other guys and he can play second, he can play third, he can play the outfield if they need to, he doesn't want to be a backup and there's no reason for him to take that job right now. Not at his age and with his, in theory, still potential talent. I, I get it. And he's not obviously a guy who's in a stage of his career where he's concerned with winning a championship, per se. He's still trying to figure out how to get paid. And you're right. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he'd, it, all things being equal, he'd pick a better team than a worse team. But I think that what he cares about most, like you said, is getting playing time and then getting paid. 
So, yeah, interesting balloon to float out there. I think it's just because he's Canadian and he used to play for the Blue Jays that he popped up on on the list. That that says more to me than any actual real good fit, like you said. Yeah, and also I think because Travis is hurt and people are like, well, we'd like a good player there, but it's just not one that makes sense. Uh, so that's the other name floating around is, is an outfielder because the Jays are still looking at a strange left field situation. Um, Pagan who is also floating in the wind was now who was who the report from that he was if they signed him he would come to compete for a job well no it, it wasn't that so this is the guy that makes all the sense in the world <laughs> um it was that they're not willing to give him a major league deal and that he's not willing to come in to a situation where he's competing for a job oh okay i, I have no idea why they're not willing to give him the job i mean <laughs> he's a better platoon left field bat than the guys they have in camp, unless they're just going to give the job to Dalton Pompey. But even he doesn't think that's going to happen. Judging by his comments as he went off for the WBC. Yeah, when I spoke to him before he head off, he basically said, it's like, you know, I'm not giving up, but I look and I see these guys with guaranteed money and, uh, you know, basically as acting as though it was like a really uphill climb for him to take the job, and it probably is. Which is sort of crazy. But I guess the guaranteed money factors in. I mean, it shouldn't. It's not like Carrera's making a ton. But Pagan is just better. I mean, yeah, Dalton Pompey has has the ceiling to be better than Anhel Pagan, but if you're going to send Dalton Pompey to the minors anyway, get the guy who can help. I, I don't understand the I, the reluctance to give a good player a job when you absolutely need it, and he's not going to cost anything at this point, right? Well, I wouldn't think he's got a real big market other than I want a major league deal. I don't, I don't think he's... He's not holding a lot of cards on March 7th. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and you're not asking him to play center field, which is, I think, where he becomes uh, a real Achilles heel, right? You, you, yeah, he, he doesn't have the defensive chops to play center anymore. That's for sure. But stick him in a corner, he's fine. I mean, he's not even a great corner outfielder, but he's good enough. And if someone does get hurt, you can just shift up into center. Mm-hmm. So I would really like uh, yeah. to see it happen, and it doesn't look like it's going to. Because teams are mysterious and illogical more often than we'd like to admit. Yeah. So on the, the good news front, we actually have seen now Steve Pearson, Troy Tulowitzki play in the Grapefruit League. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about these injuries and guys not playing and you know, Josh Dawson's still out, although he's making good signs towards recovering. Uh, Pierce was re recovering from surgery as well. So... <laughs> You know, while there was always expectation that he would play, it's nice to actually see it happening. Yeah, yeah. The the proof is in in the eating, as they say. You, until you actually get a guy on the field and have him take some reps, it is kind of a uh, fingers crossed situation, I guess. But uh, yeah, so they're losing, but that really doesn't matter. You just need guys out there facing real competition. And Pierce specifically becomes more important if Travis can't go because he can fill in at second base in a pinch. He's not a guy you want starting there, but they've got this hole in left. They've got this hole at first. Now they might have a hole at second. So having a guy that can handle all those spots healthy makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. As for Chulewitzki, he was he wasn't hurt. He was just they always wanted to slow play him because spring training is nine thousand weeks long this year, and they just decided <laughs> that hey, his hips possibly were not. 
you know the best thing to take through the longest possible path yeah yeah i, I think he knows how to hit i don't think he needs extra he practice field. Yeah. yeah i think he's a pretty good fielder um and they made a lot about his mentoring the other guys and i think you know may- maybe that's something that you know you you burn a lot of energy doing that you don't necessarily need to start day one so that's cool um the jays are about of course to enter that phase where the rosters uh, shrink a little bit because the wbc has started and they're losing was it four players stroman pompey and my brain is uh, San- sanchez osuna i think those are the batista four. oh batista yeah he's going to play for the dominican yeah Yes, I think Hap might be going. I can't remember. And Estrada, only if he's healthy, will go pitch for Mexico in the later rounds. So not gone yet. Yeah. Um, so that, that's why we thought, though, Biagini was going to open up as a starter, was because there was going to be more innings out there for him. But we're, we're, Yeah, we're exactly. Not... And, and, yeah, I mean, that's what we thought. All these guys, like Latos, Bolsinger, Biagini, we thought they'd all get stretched out, but it... My Bolsinger's only throwing an inning at a time, and uh, Leto's starting to throw more. But the Biagini looks like what they talked about last week is like he's going to be capped at two or three innings, which is weird. Uh, I think I'll just refer back to my teams are mysterious and a logical comment from earlier. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> regards to the, to the World Baseball Classic, you know, this is part of the reason that these guys were slow played to whiskey and what they wanted to do with Josh Johnson if he hadn't gotten hurt. He'll get all the reps in the world over the next six weeks, <laughs> or it's not six weeks, six three weeks. While everyone's gone, yeah, because you, it's uh, harder to substitute out for them because uh, yeah, well, split squad games and stuff. You've got less people to go around. Um, yep. And then Russell Martin is also leaving, I guess, because he's coaching. Um, the well, he's not actually coaching; he's just ish. sort of there, like he's taking part in their workouts and he's you know taking batting practice with them and everything. He's just not playing. I don't even so know. What mentoring, I guess. It seems like a waste of time to me, but maybe I'm just jaded. But yeah. I think it's just the same thing. Like spring training is forever. <laughs> He's a catcher. He doesn't want to play that much. Yeah, I'm just gonna take a couple weeks off, boss. No, you can't have a couple weeks off. Okay, I'm gonna take a couple weeks, and I'm gonna be with Team Canada. Couple weeks. Team Canada's gonna last three days. That's the other problem. Wow. So I don't know whether this is true or not, but I heard that that Team Canada was short on pitching in the exhibition game versus the Jays today. Is that right? Well, that's actually not weird because in these exhibition games, they're only throwing. You know, the starter went two innings, and then they go an inning, an inning, and then they're not going to do that in the WBC games. So they ran out of guys. <laughs> Okay, it, I, I, because it's an exhibition, I'll, I'll let that go. I just I, you can't pretend it sounds good. I understand the logic. But all teams would have that happen. I mean, that's not a Canadian issue. That's <laughs> every WBC team would have that problem. You know, they didn't use their starters other than the one who started the game. Okay, fair, fair enough. So uh, Twitter is uh, dumb. Okay, uh, so you're actually down there, which I, I suppose we should be advertising more heavily as you are the man on the scene. Um, but you know. Uh, who else have you seen? What else have you piqued your interest out there in camp? Well, there's one guy that's really caught my eye. I did not expect this. I thought that the lefty reliever situation was going to be uh, Aaron Loop, Chad Gerardo, the garbage that we saw last year. Ooh. And then, Yeah. And then Tim Beza shows up. 
Guy hasn't pitched above A ball, but this guy comes out. He's pumping 98 mile an hour fastballs and a 90 mile an hour wipeout slider. And it's like, where the heck did this come from? <laughs> he had really good numbers in the minors, in the low minors, that is, last year. And he has apparently a bit of a walk issue, but not like, you know, walking nine guys every nine innings or something like that. But he was about four and a half walks per nine. But, but in a league where everybody swings at everything. Well, I don't know. I mean, Aaron Sanchez walked a zillion people back then, too. If your stuff is that good, I think you walk more guys because they know they can't hit it. Could be. I've I've said this on the podcast before when we were talking about Sanchez. I think that guys with big stuff are more likely to walk guys in the low minors than, you know, if they were mediocre. Because guys swing and miss at the 3-1 pitch instead of putting in play. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you walk them on the next one. But anyway, this guy was nasty. I mean, <laughs> he, he, he was pitching against the Tigers. You know, it's not the real Tigers, but uh, Justin Upton hit a single on a ground ball, but he just blew away the other three guys. It was unbelievable. And, you know, for a second lefty, just give me the guy who throws gas with the big breaking ball. I mean, if he walks a couple guys here and there, but the upside is huge. And this team is not in a spot where they should be worrying about the development of a minor league reliever. No. No, and and you can use a, a second lefty as judiciously as you like because of the way you play matchups. It's it's not like you're it's not like you're expecting him to throw a bunch of innings. Your second lefty is always your situational guy. So if yeah. he's the right guy for the situation, go nuts. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, I was like, where did this come from? Uh, the other guy Green, actually, sorry, you were sorry, gonna, go ahead. I was just going to no, say right. and Connor Green is still hitting 100. Yeah. I mean, he throws gas. It's just he's got to learn a breaking ball. He's, he's not going to make the big league team. Gibbons already officially said that. But, you know, it's nice to see the arm. Indeed. You had another guy you were going to mention. Yes. I was going to talk about Matt Latos again. Uh, he looks really good. Like, really good. I mean, he's throwing 91, 92 still, hit 93, I think, once or twice. But his off-speed stuff has looked nasty, and he's making guys look bad. And I think he's the guy that unless he has the opt-out after spring training, which I think is unlikely, that's going to take that last role. I don't think it's going to be Mike Bolsinger, our friend of the podcast. I think it's going to be Latos. You uh, you can write that down, folks. Josh's opinion, strong opinion, is that this team's going to have Matt Latos on it come April 1st, or whatever the heck day it is. <laughs> yeah, whatever actual opening day is. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, any more spring training notes before I, uh, I get us... On to the next. I mean, Dalton Pompey's looked pretty solid. Rowdy Tellez having trouble pulling balls inside, but really good on the outside. But not enough of those guys. I haven't seen enough of them to really say anything. Other than the thing you just said, which was the thing. But that's... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, We're going to stop talking about the Blue Jays for a few minutes. We're going to go and talk about the Boston Red Sox with the esteemed Matt Corey, friend of the podcast and frequent guest. We're going to hit the Red Sox season preview right about now. And we are happy to be once again joined by Matthew Corey of Baseball Prospectus, friend of the show, Matt. Welcome back to Artificial Turf Thanks Wars. Thanks for having me, we are, uh, <laughs> we are most happy to have you, and you are a resident, sometimes resident expert on the Boston Red Sox. Uh, so as we go around the AL East here, I guess we have to uh, we have to stop by Red Sox camp and see what's up. 
So I guess the the uh, we'll start with the big headline from the past few days, which is David Price's arm is about to fall off. No, wait, it's not. Um, what did you make of all that? <laughs> well, it was kind of terrifying. Uh, I mean, I, I think the way things are on paper right now, which, you know, uh, as we all know, baseball games are played on paper. Um, mm-hmm. The Red Sox have, uh, depending on which projection system you're looking at, you know, a four or five game lead on the rest of the division, maybe even more. I think Fangraphs has them ahead by like seven or eight games. Um, so, I mean, that kind of disappears if David Price disappears. So all of a sudden, you know, a team that looks like it should roll into the postseason um, looks like maybe it won't. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, I, yeah, I think it was, that was pretty terrifying. And, you know, the, they got the best news possible. Not only does he not need Tommy John surgery, he, he didn't even need an injection of any kind. So, um, so that's good. Uh, that said, you know, anytime you've got uh, you know, forearm, whatever it is, elbow pain that he was going through. Um, I still think that's, you know, relatively serious. Uh, and it looks like he may begin the season on the disabled list, even with the elongated spring training this year. So, um, I don't know what that does to the, uh, to the projections, but probably, uh, and this is going to be a weird thing to say, but probably the most important thing is to have him available. Um, you know, once the postseason starts, <laughs> Yeah, look at all these chickens that are already hatched. (laughs) (laughs) Now, was there any comment in the Boston media? We didn't hear anything about this from here, but possibly trying to tie any kind of potential elbow or forearm injury to the velocity drop that he suffered last year. So I looked it up. I mean, he did have a a velocity drop last year, um, but. It's not like it's not gigantic, at least according to to Brooks. um, I mean, his velocity has kind of bounced around since uh, I mean, the big drop was between 2012 and 2013. Um, His fastball averaged 96 and a half in 2012 and dropped to 94 and a half in 2013. Um, And since then, it's sort of bounced around uh, 94. 94 yeah it's right around 94 and then last year it was 93.75 was the average um and he threw a ton of innings so i i haven't looked at it by um you know by by month or by start so i don't know maybe he lost a little bit of velocity towards the end of the year that's entirely possible um but i don't know i'm not i'm not extraordinarily worried about that um i it certainly has been commented uh on but um but I don't know. I don't know if that's anything uh, indicative uh, uh, of anything beyond him just being 31 now, you know, and and having thrown 200 innings every year for the last like three or four years. And, and that's fair. Um, the guy I'm really curious slash I would be worried about if I was a Red Sox fan is probably Rick Porcello, who just last year after after the first year of his contract looked like it was going to be a disaster. And then last year, he decided to stop walking people. He stopped allowing hits. He turned in, by far, the best season of his career. But, like, what do you make of that? Is that Did he really do something that different? Uh, I don't know if it was extraordinarily different. I mean, he... Um, I mean, if you're just looking at the numbers, uh, you know, things are... are the stuff that's you know, you, you generally think of as being under a pitcher's control... Um, is mostly the same. Um, you know, the home run 
uh, to fly ball numbers dropped a lot. Um, so whether you think he's responsible for that or not, maybe he, uh, I mean, he certainly pitched up in the zone with his fastball a fair amount last year. Um, and I can recall a number of occasions where, you know, that didn't hurt him, whereas the previous year it did. So um, maybe that's, you know, just fastball command, location, um, you know, timing those pitches right. Um, I mean, I can remember Josh Beckett, you know, and, and Veritek getting up in the count like 0-2 or 1-2, and then Veritek would always call for that high fastball and almost stand up. And there's a couple times when, you know, you, you just don't get the fastball up enough, and it's basically a, you know, a, a one-ball, two-strike meatball down the middle of the plate. <laughs> um, so I, I think maybe there's, there's something to him uh, minimizing those kind of pitches. Um, but you know, the strikeout numbers were relatively similar. The walk numbers dropped. Uh, I, I think he pitched better. I, you know, I don't know if he's, I, I don't know if he's really a, a five and a half win pitcher. He's probably a little bit better than the one and a half win pitcher too. So, um, I, I think it's fair and, and, and reasonable to expect, you know, a, a step back, but you know, he won the Cyan award. So you would probably expect that anyway, regardless of what his name or, or numbers were. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the same conversation we've been having about Aaron Sanchez, too. It's like, well, you know, he led the league in ERA. <laughs> There's only right. so much you could do from there. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Now, on the flip side, you've got these guys that we're talking about maybe taking steps backwards or hurt or whatever. Is the perception in Red Sox world what I think it is of Eduardo Rodriguez? Because it seems like like when he got healthy last year, he just kind of took off. Uh. I mean, I don't know what the perception is. I, you know, if um, if yours. Price is healthy, <laughs> if Price is healthy, then Rodriguez is going to be in the minor leagues. Um, really? Oh, you think Wright will be in the last starter? Yeah. Well, they can't send him down. Um, so he's. I, I'm. I believe he's out of options. So I, I think he's got to be that fifth starter. Um, hmm. I think that's uh, that's where they're at. But, you know, it's it's certainly nice to have a guy like Rodriguez be able to step in as the fifth starter, you know, if, if Price does miss some time. Um, and I think that, you know, that, that goes a long way to, um, um, I, I don't know, help, you know, helping the Red Sox as, as far as, as, you know, minimizing the damage um, with, uh, you know, with, with the guy missing time. Um, I mean, as we all know, pitchers are, are always, you know, basically one pitch away from, you know, the end of their career. So (laughs) (laughs) yay. Uh, baseball season's almost here. Um, so anyway, having that sixth guy who can, who can step in, um, and, you know, be a, be a two to win three, two to three win pitcher, um, is, is, is pretty big. Um, and don't ask me what happens after that sixth guy. (laughs) Well, that actually kind of reminds me of, of the blue Jays situation where, we think the first five very favorably line up with even with the Red Sox rather star-studded rotation you know just based on on what we've seen from from the five guys we have and the fact that one of them might actually be Stroman might be poised to to do better do you think those two these two rotations are comparable uh no (laughs) I mean doubters well, it, you know, I don't want to say the Blue Jays have a, a bad rotation. They certainly don't. Um, you know, I think it's uh, indisputable that, you know, their their starting rotation is, is a good one. Um, but, 
you know, they they don't have the the guys with the you know upper level track record that the that the Red Sox have. Um, you know, especially that that top three. Um, you know, Sanchez obviously took a big step forward last year, and he's a young guy, but he's a young guy. Um, you know, I I would expect more out of Stroman this year for sure, um, but uh, we haven't quite seen it yet. Other than you know, at the very end of last season, I guess. Um, you know, Happ and Estrada are both good pitchers. They're both getting into their middle thirties. Estrada has you know reoccurring back problems, and I just hate Francisco Lariano. Um, <laughs> it just yeah. Anyway, uh, walk, 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 walk. Strike out, strike out, strike out. Walk, 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 walk. So um, we didn't see as many no. of the walks. So we've been spoiled in the two months we we observed him. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, he, he pitched uh, pretty well for y'all, but. Um, but I, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know. Uh, I can't, I can't predict the future. Quite obviously. Um, I mean, do you guys think that they're comparable rotations? I mean, I, I wouldn't think you guys have anybody who compares to either Price or um, Chris Sale. Um. Well, no, not Chris Sale probably, but no. I don't know. I mean, Price last year, the way he looked, his stuff wasn't just didn't look as good. He was throwing slower and he got hit. So I don't know if I put him above Aaron Sanchez anymore. I don't know if I put him above. Well, I do everyone else, but you know uh, what? What Aaron Sanchez was doing and what we saw him do—it's not like it was unex- un, like an, a total shock that he was that good. So I think that I could put him on that level if Price—I mean, especially now that he's hurt. But I just—I yeah. I think there's a little more. I, I, I guess I said there's a little more safety, which is a strange thing to say given like big Marco Estrada, J-Hap, and Francisco Lariano, than with a guy like Stephen Wright. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so I think if you're going to go, if you're going to look at Parcello's stats and go, oh, he probably overperformed, he's going to take a step back, I think it's pretty easy to make that same calculation in reverse on David Price. Um, you know, his strikeouts were really good last year. His walks were really low. The, um, the home runs, you know, sort of shot up um, to, uh, to a rate that, you know, he hasn't really had before since 2009, I guess. Um, you know, FIP... Uh, went up a little bit, but his XFIP about the same. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I think he. It's indisputable he didn't pitch as well as he as he did in 2015. But I would expect that if you know if healthy, that he would be better than he was last year. And that's uh, obviously the big caveat. But getting away from from the pitching comparisons, there's another sort of comparison. I mean, the Jays had the world beating offense in 2015. Those were the days. Yeah, and then they took a step back, and then the Red Sox sort of took that mantle and just destroyed the league on the hitting side. What guys there are you expecting to maintain their performance or even improve upon it, or or, and what guys are you thinking probably going to take a step back? Well, they lose a lot in in David Ortiz's retirement. Yeah, Um, I mean that's that's a that's a big step back right there. I, I was. I was looking up some stuff um, in preparation uh, for this conversation. I have to find it. Oh, here it is. So if you go to Fangraphs and sort by um, hard contact percentage um, for last year, the uh, the guy on the very top of the list, <laughs> hard contact 45.9%, uh, David Ortiz. Um, the, next, uh, <laughs> the next Red Sox player uh, – on that list is Hanley Ramirez at number 35 with uh, 37.2. So uh, I assume that's... That defies yeah, all anyway. logic. 
Just, yeah, <laughs> I guess. I mean, I, having watched Ortiz just sort of crush people like all throughout his career, I mean, he had you know a couple sort of down years after he hurt his wrist, but. I, I don't know. It's, it's it's probably like, you know, like you watching Sanchez, you know, you watch Sanchez and you see how he does it. And you're just like, you kind of expect him to be really good. Um, well, you know, Ortiz did, did that. And, and, you know, honestly a lot more over the last, whatever it was, 15, 13 seasons in Boston. Um, it may have been less than that. Anyway, it um, <laughs> feels like decades. <laughs> it, well, it's kind of amazing. I mean, yeah, I, I'm having trouble remembering the last Red Sox team that didn't have David Ortiz on it. So it's uh, it's it's going to be pretty strange not having him there, and that's that's a pretty big uh, pretty big loss. Um, it's hard to see Mookie being a whole lot better than he was last year. Um, I mean, finished second in the MVP deservedly. Um, you know, I, I think if you're looking for a guy to take a step forward, it's probably going to be Xander. Um, I I'm still sort of waiting for that power to really uh, step up, um, and he's been incredibly streaky over the course of his his career. You know, when he first came up, he hit really well, and then 2014 um, just saw him fall off a cliff. And 2015, he completely revamped how he hit the ball, and 2016 he, he changed again, and it's it's just been kind of all over the place. And and he has like you know two killer months, and then you know two really awful months. And um, I think if he can you know, learn some consistency and, and, uh, uh, you know, incorporate a little more power, uh, obviously easy, easy for me to say, um, <laughs> incorporate a little <laughs> more power into his game. Um, you know, the power that, that we all saw, you know, as he came up through the minor leagues, um, I think he could be, uh, he, he could be a much more valuable player than, than he, he was even last year. So I think that's, that's an easy place to go. Um, the other places are, are, are probably, um, you know, where the new guys, Andrew Benintendi, uh, you know, taking over in left field. Um, Chris Young was very good there, shockingly, uh, even against right-handers last year. Um, I don't know that you want to bank on that going forward. And, and you know, Benintendi is, uh, you know, just a, a great talent. Um, so, I mean, he probably should be playing in, in right field or, or, or even center. So, you know, the Red Sox outfield defense should be fantastic this year. Um, so anyway, I, I, I'm looking forward to watching him play in left. I think he's going to be a, a, you know, a big step up from, you know, Brock Holt and, and Alejandro Deaza and all these other guys the Red Sox have been running out there over the last, you know, I don't know, since 2008, since Manny Ramirez retired basically, or, or, uh, was traded, I mean, to the, to the Dodgers. Um, <laughs> And the other the other places probably Pablo Sandoval as bizarre as that is to say um, you know he's coming to camp looking very good um, you know physically very good um, and after the shoulder surgery he had last year um, I don't know I'm I'm optimistic that you know that he I, I don't think he's going to be a five win player like you know in his heyday with the Giants but um, but if he can simply be an average major league third baseman that is I mean that's better than the Red Sox have got over the course of a season, um, you know, in, in a long time also. Um, so those guys are, are, are probably the, the step forward candidates. I mean, the step back candidates are, you know, probably Mookie because how much better can he really be? Um, you know, Pedroia is getting into his mid thirties and had sort of a Renaissance season last year was, was hitting the high fastball for power again. Um, 
And so I don't know, maybe that continues, maybe it doesn't. Um, if he gets hurt again, then that's, you know, all bets are probably off. Um, and then the obvious one is, is a catcher, Sandy Leone, who is, I mean, like a 140, you know, batting average guy coming into the year, uh, all of a sudden hits like Johnny Bench in his prime, uh, for like three Chris Colabello. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so he, I mean, he's going to be the starter. He's a fine defensive catcher, but I, I'm not holding my breath that he, he, there's going to be any <laughs> offense, uh, coming out of, of him. Um, I think it's entirely possible that, you know, by the time we get to June that he is DFA'd, um, and, uh, Blake Swihart comes up, they've, uh, gone to their, gone back to their senses and, and removed him from the outfield after, uh, putting him there last year and watching him hurt himself. Um, and, uh, he's catching again. And I mean, he's probably still a little rough behind the plate, which is probably what happens when you start jerking a guy around from position to position. Um, don't say, (laughs) yeah, it's weird. You wouldn't expect it, but, um, but then, uh, I, I, I still think, and uh, I'm not the only one certainly, uh, who thinks that his bat is, is legit. And, uh, so I, I would expect that he's going to be the starter by the time, you know, the trade deadline rolls around. So did I, did I, your ears off i'm sorry no you covered it all uh two-part question and you actually got to both parts so you get five points um yeah. <laughs> so redeem next time you play swing in a drive <laughs> that's my favorite game <laughs> this is the part where i normally just flat out ask for a prediction but i need to go back in time here and just review the absurdity of the boston red Sox before mm-hmm. we get a prediction from you now first of all i would like i would just like to point out i noticed this that from 1998 to 2005, the Boston Red Sox finished second in the AL East every single year. Yes. So they were consistent, but are they consistent now? So 2012, they finished dead last, 26 games back. 2013, they finished first, won the World Series. 2014, they finished dead last, 25 games back. 2015, they finished dead last, 15 games back. And then last year, they finished first. And then they lost in the uh, League Divisional Series. They ran into the same Cleveland team that the Jays ran into. Sad story, etc. So you are only allowed to pick as a position in the division first or fifth. (laughs) (laughs) Because obviously none of the other answers are valid. But how many games do you think the Red Sox are going to win? and, And which position do you think they'll be in? Uh, I think they're going to finish in first place. Um, and I think mm-hmm. it's going to be by a rather comfortable margin. Um, I'll, I'll put them in the upper 90s with wins. I, I'll say 98. Ooh. 98? Uh, yeah, 98. One more win than back in 2013? Ooh. Yeah. I, I think the starting pitching is killer. I think the defense is going to be fantastic. I think the offense is going to be it, it, probably not as good as last year. Um, but you know, top 10. Yeah. I, the bullpen is the only thing that really scares me. Um, but I think it's, I think they've got depth. Um, I don't think Craig Kimbrell is nearly what he was. Um, Tyler Thornburg. I don't know. I hate that trade. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but okay. Um, but, uh, you know, Joe Kelly and, uh, 
Uh, again, another guy weird to say, uh, Matt Barnes, Robbie Ross. I, I, I think they've got some depth there. And um, Carson Smith will come back at some point, presumably from Tommy John surgery, and, and should be able to help out in the seventh and eighth also. So, yeah, I think I think this is a really, a really good team. Um, yeah. Well, for all the, <laughs> the positivity we get from you, we got the same amount of negativity about the, the Yankees from Stacy last week. So I heard that you yeah. both appear to be realistic, which is kind of mm-hmm. weird. I, I totally understand both of your reasons for doing that. So um, I'd like to say best of the luck to the Red Sox, but like, why would I do that? We don't lie on this podcast. <laughs> what possible reason <laughs> would I wish you best of luck? Um, I hope you enjoy the season, Matt. I do. I, I hope so too. Let's <laughs> let's. Uh, I, I hope everyone stays healthy and. Um, and we get to see the you know things play out on the field. I, I think that's about the one thing that can really derail the Red Sox is if they start having a bunch of a bunch of guys go down. Um, they just they just don't have the depth really that you know that they would have had. I think uh, if um, Dombrowski hadn't gotten so trade happy, so they they kind of need everybody to stay healthy. So that's that's your kind of get out of jail free card if if uh, if everyone starts you know arms and legs start falling off slash exploding, then then I think you guys are home free. <laughs> I don't even want although that sounds amusing I don't want to see that um, I, I too would like to see it played out on the field uh, well thank you once again for stopping by and uh, of course folks you could check out Matt on Twitter at MattyMatty2000 that's it and yeah. uh, of course at Baseball Prospectus uh, as uh, Matt makes his contributions there and we will uh, probably talk to you sometime some key time in the middle of the season Excellent. Looking forward to it, guys. Any Anytime you want, let me know. All right. Have a good night. Take care. Oh, another good conversation with Matt. And that's, you know, it's sad that I think he might be right. Not about the 97 wins, but just, just about the first place in the division thing. <laughs> 98. <God>. 98, <laughs> and he was... He was He's taking it easy on the total. God. I, I know. He hedged with 98 <laughs> wins. I hate the ALE so much. <laughs> oh. You remember when we used to play the teams that are now in the Central all the time, like Cleveland and Detroit, back in the old 90s, early 90s? That was cool. Yeah. Although um, not so much now, because Cleveland's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, but they're never both really awesome at the same time, are they? Not usually, no. No, and that's the problem with the AL East. There's always a bunch of awesome teams. Even when you are one, you don't feel awesome. Anyway, moving on, uh, which is the important thing because we got to keep moving on, right? Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Alrighty. We have your questions for us, including... I don't even know how to describe this first one, but it's a great... It's not even a... Is it a question? Can we give him a shout-out, is the question. On on this week's pod, <laughs> from Birdwatcher88, on this week's pod, can you please give the dude who made giant gloves with ten empty beer cans the shout-out he deserves? So, there's a, there's a still screenshot of... I don't even know who that's at bat. Um... And the gentleman has stuck on each finger an empty beer can. Looks like a tall boy on each finger to make himself uh, his own souvenir. 
that's an expensive souvenir i think so he deserves a shout out <laughs> and also it's like did he drink all those at the game <laughs> <laughs> that's also a possibility the guy next to him on his left in the picture is looking up like seriously you stuck all 10 on your fingers <laughs> he's got a little smile i don't know he might be impressed <laughs> secretly impressed <laughs> I'm going to retweet this from the podcast account. So just go into our profile if you want to see it. Yeah, cool, cool. Uh, All right. Hit me with the next question. All right. This one comes from the Blue Jay Hunter, Ian Hunter. Over under on how many games Pilar Bats lead off this year? Uh, I'd just like to thank him for still submitting a question, even though um, he has his own podcast and could could ask this question on his own podcast. I appreciate the shout out. Uh, how many games Pilar Bats lead off? Oh, do, do I want to go as high as twenty? Because the experiment did not last twenty last year. I uh, think it's going to be higher. Uh, with uh, to me, it really depends on Travis's health. If Travis is healthy, I think he's the guy. But if he's not, the, the, Gibbons has already said he wants Bautista in the three slot. So it's either going to be Pilar or Carrera. Because you need a fast guy. What's, what's Pierce's OBP like? Well, if he's lefties, he'd be a great guy up there because he mashes them. Yeah, yeah. So I'd like to believe... Uh, <laughs> but I don't think it's going to happen. 30. 30 is the over-under. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I think that's about right. That's where I'd have to think about it. At 20, I would easily take the over. Right, okay. We're going to go 30. Uh, and then a follow-up question from Andy <laughs> at underscore rallycap. Uh, which was a direct response to Ian's question. Over under on how many days before Pompey takes Pilar's job, thus causing Gideon to go insane. <laughs> oh. Team, team Just Pilar because and Gideon's team Pompey. probably listening, I'm going to say 29.5. Uh, I'll take that as the over under. Um, I'm actually going to take the over, probably. Yeah, I think the answer is 162.5. Oh, not very nice at all. Uh, all right. Next is from Richard Hurley at Aonic NUI, and you can look in our faves to figure out how to spell that. Um, does the new MLB rule change of 5.07 apply to quick pitches like Osuna's move? So this was part of the bulk of rule changes that the league announced, including the ridiculous intentional walk one, which we addressed in a previous podcast. And one of them says... An addition to Rule Point 507 formalizes an umpire interpretation by stipulating that a pitcher may not take a second step toward home plate with either foot or otherwise reset his pivot foot in delivery of the pitch. Basically, this is the Carter Caps rule. It doesn't affect Osuna. It won't affect Stroman with his quick pitch and hesitation pitch and everything like that. It's because Carter Caps in spring training. I don't know if you've ever seen him pitch, Greg. I have. Where he jumps towards home? Yes, he has a little hippity hop. Well, in spring training, he was adding a second jump towards home. <laughs> so they're like, no, no, no. <laughs> We're going to put the kibosh on that one. It's like, dude, it, it, like, I, I pitch differently than everyone else. Yeah, they're going to crack down on that. I'm sorry. Eventually, someone's going to point out that you can't do that. He's still allowed to do his original jump mm. as long as he, quote unquote, drags his feet, even though he never actually drags his back foot. Which but he is, before yeah. now he was doing a hop and then the second hop and they're like no 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 Carter Caps ends up thirty eight feet he's not even on the mound anymore he's thirty eight feet he from keeps the hopping plate. until he's five feet from the batter's <laughs> box and then fires into the glove oh but yeah that's just that that rule applies only to that guy and that delivery everything else should be good yep 
Um, what do we got? I'll read next? the next one. Okay. This is from Connor Moore at the Seahound. Which number is higher this year? Kevin Pilar walks or Jose Bautista outfield assists? This is an incredibly rude question, isn't it? Like, <laughs> you insult two players at the same time? No, 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 no. If, if the answer is Jose Bautista, that's a lot of outfield assists. Uh, well, there was a time when he was good for 10 a year, wasn't he? Nine or 10? If he's only getting nine or 10, I think it's going to be Pilar. <laughs> Um, I, I, yeah, I think Kevin Pilar walks has to be higher. Come on, Kevin, you can do it. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's really trying to do it. Apparently, that's what he's he's told us. You know, now that he's got a big league job, he doesn't feel like he's got to hit his way back onto the team. Yeah, and you know, in spring training, it's the first week of games. He looked like he was laying off some closer pitches. But it's easier to take pitches when you know the games don't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, next question from Andrea Bargnani. Holy crap. Oh, at Primo Pasta underscore. Um, well, he, you know, Andrea heard that Serge Ibaka asked a question, so he had to get in there. <laughs> I feel like it's good that we're crossing over to, uh, you know, the Raptors, but apparently we're actually crossing over to the players, which is odd to me. I would, I would figure it would be the fans. <laughs> Predictions on who's in the bullpen on opening day are Grilly, Biagini, Osuna, 7, 8, 9, in that order. Well, I sort of gave a prediction before the interview where I talked about Matt Latos. So it'll be those three guys. And yes, I think they'll be the seventh, eighth inning, and ninth inning guys. Although I think it'll be Grilly in the eighth and Biagini in the seventh. And then you've got Howell, Smith. And I have Latos, and then whoever comes out of the left field battle. I, I hope it's Tim Meza, but I don't really know who it's going to be. It could be Ryan Tapero or Danny Barnes. Uh, my only suspicion would be that there will not be a set 7-8 order because I'm sure someone in the Jays front office slash coaching staff slash bullpen has figured out that Grilly versus any lefties is a bad idea. So if they can avoid that, I would anticipate Grilly gets whatever inning has very little chance of a lefty i hope they've learned that but there was no evidence of that even in the playoffs last year yeah all right um from alex hume at hume 92 josh talked about how pompey has looked a bit on twitter uh has looked a bit <laughs> on twitter today wow no commas i think um he thinks he could post a 340 obp tell us more josh well, I mean, it just basically comes down to the plate, the plate discipline that we've seen from Dalton Pompey, even in his limited time in the bigs. He takes a lot of pitches, and he doesn't swing at borderline stuff he wasn't doing in spring, and he is fighting for a job. And he's done it all through the minors. Even when he hasn't hit for power, he's always posted decent on-base percentages. Last year, despite a 270 average, it was 349. The year before that, 374. The year before that, 387. He's a guy who takes walks, so I think he could do it. That's pretty much all it is. And make enough contact that he can hit it. Fair enough. Where do you want to go next? Yeah. Um, Here's one. <laughs> From Brian A. at Big B. SR. Anyone else on the main roster that Greg forgot we signed that apparently he doesn't follow off-season transactions? Okay. This is a funny one from last week because you ripped on him for not following it and then didn't follow what he was talking about. True, but I have to, in my own defense, they didn't, they, they, they 
tendered him a contract. They didn't exactly sign him. I.e., there yeah, was. He no... didn't even know he was on the team. <laughs> he couldn't leave unless they let him leave. See, because yeah, he's, he's still not, under I'm team not... control. Verdict is still guilty. I'm not accepting this defense. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I would like to appeal to a higher court. Um, I don't know. Did I forget about anybody else? Was anybody else really important? I've heard that Encarnacion guy may not be coming back. <laughs> I think you're good. <laughs> Probably good for the rest. I have a problem when there's like, like a bullpen that's going to have seven guys, has like 13 names that might have something to do with the bullpen. My brain starts to hurt after that. I have to confess. I think that's fair. Um, especially since they all get like one inning every three days and you can't watch it on television even if you wanted to that just gets confusing yeah I'll read you a real question okay from Skeeter at Spez Baby Elmore Goins or Laurie this would be for the backup or I guess starting I don't know the other second base job when Travis is on DL oh I think it's Goins because he the organization loves him and he lacks options yeah, that guy's got nine lives. One of his parents must be a cat or something. I mean, every time it seems like his time with the Blue Jays is out, someone gets injured. It's amazing. Um, yeah, someone was talking on the on Twitter the other day, and they said, I, I don't get the fans' love for Ryan Goins, that you watch him out there at the plate and, and even in the field sometimes, and you look and you think, man, i got to get me some more of this. Like, <laughs> yeah, and he... He just keeps finding ways onto the roster. I, I suppose did did we did we just not put Barney on there because Barney is presumed to be He's gonna the be the guy backup. who starts. Yeah. Yeah, if Travis is out, Barney's gonna start. Fair enough. Um you want me to hit that one from Jed? Sure. I do not know how to pronounce the Twitter handle. The no, Twitter just handle read the question. <laughs> What's the story on Sean Reed Foley not getting an invite to spring training? I actually think this one's pretty simple. There are a lot of arms in camp, and he's not on the 40-man roster. And if you are not on the 40-man roster and you get injured during big league camp, you have to go on the major league DL, which means your option clock starts ticking. And they don't want that to happen. Fair enough. Uh, He might come up as as late in spring when they bring guys up just into the games for an inning or two where they're not actually uh, officially in camp. That just, might be see him get an inning or two, but other than that, he's not going to show up. They hand him a jersey with a number in the 80s and say, get out there and give us an inning because we didn't have a guy right now. Yeah. Classic. Uh, some people ask two questions. Do you want to hit those or shall we keep on rolling? I think we'll we just get on... this, this last one from Alex Hume. All right. How can they make the WCBC more relevant? Teams like Canada have one of their few stars sitting out they have many of their few stars sitting out well israel is rolling thanks to mostly americans even netherlands has very few if any players from holland proper seems to defeat the purpose of it i don't think the wbc will ever be a compelling baseball tournament at least not to the majority of people i really don't see a way to do it unless there's some sort of mandated participation and of course nobody's going to do that from an yeah, the problem standpoint. is just the baseball season's too long. They can't. Yeah. There's no I mean, people talk about putting it in the All Star game and all that. You really think a team's going to let Justin Verlander go throw six innings in the All Star game just because it wants to win for USA? It's not going to happen. No. 
No, and and pitchers are so fragile compared to I think a lot in a lot of other sports where you talk about these kind of exhibitions sort of everyone's on an equal playing field as far as getting injured whereas sending big league pitchers who are members of starting rotations of potential playoff teams out there is like a non-starter so given that you're never going to have top flight starting pitching up and down do you ever have a top flight tournament I think that's the issue and as for the other part of this I don't care about guys from Curacao and in Aruba playing for the Netherlands because Netherlands owns those. Mm-hmm. But the this thing with Italy and and Israel, it's like these guys are not Israeli and they're not Italian. I it's but it you, does make it a little silly. You don't think that sticking the Mario mustache and handing out yarmulkes is <laughs> is enough to get them on the teams? <laughs> it's like I'm totally Italian. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, hey, my great-grandfather was from Italy and then immigrated here, so I have an I at the end of my last name. I can play, right? Uh, That's not helping. But if you didn't do that, then you'd have, like, two teams in the whole tournament. You'd have, like, what, maybe three, Japan, Korea, and the U.S.? No, I think you could get all the teams except for the two we just named. They're the only ones that do it. Okay. I mean, look, it's great yeah. that they have these guys. And I, and I like being able – because there are some players who are actually from Italy and – well, I don't think there's any from Israel, but who, who do get to play because of this. But it's just – it should be a little bit shorter of a cutoff, like two generations maybe. <laughs> the one-eighth uh, rule. Is that, that what you're proposing? Yeah. One, grand, one grandparent must be 100% from – yeah, that's just too complicated. Uh, but yeah, I don't think it will ever get to that point. So we'll go, we'll go with that. Uh, which means we are going to move on from questions to, uh, the part where we encourage people to rethink themselves. And, uh, yeah. Oh my God. Did he really just say that? But we can try again, right? You talking about a do-over, baby? Are you talking about a door? We believe in second chances. Yeah. So today's do-over candidate. Jake Arietta, who proposed that players who were veterans may bat flip upon him. But if you are uh, not veteran enough and or and or a young player, that he may retaliate with one to the ribs the next time up if you if you uh, showed him up with such a gesture. It was so dumb. <laughs> First of all. Like, which reporter decides on a random day in spring training, like, okay, today is bat flip day? I don't know. And then why do you uh, answer I, the question? I, I don't really know where this where this came from or the context that led to this. But it's just such a stupid concept. Like, if you earned the right to bat flip? I mean, how does someone even get to that thought process? I don't know. How do you decide when you've earned the right to bat flip? I can't remember who it was. I thought it was Alan Nathan, but I'm looking through his Twitter timeline and not seeing it. But it was basically like, and 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 only if they bat flip, it does three full revolutions and doesn't run <laughs> higher than six feet. It's just like you shouldn't have arbitrary rules about who can do it. Like, where do you draw the line at a veteran and a young guy? Is it three and a half years of experience, free agency? Yeah. Do you get a special gold card that you flash towards the pitcher just before you flip the bat? I'm good, man. I'm good. I got my registration in and everything. <laughs> I passed the off-season test. Uh, I wrote the I wrote the bat flip SATs and like, 
Come on, man. Oh, man. And then they asked Syndergaard the same question, which is why yeah, I think he it was Batfoot Day. He didn't give a crap. He's like, uh, he, he, he even said, I think in Bautista's moment, I think he blacked out. You know, yeah, in just terms feeling of the emotion of the moment. Yeah. And, and you hear that from players all the time of, of, I, you know, it was not a conscious decision to do whatever I was doing. Um, I believe that that really does happen. And, and again, the, the Bautista example, I know we keep coming back to it, but if, if there was any time to bat flip, I don't know. You that just, it. yeah, that's <laughs> it. That is the moment. Um, yeah. So Jake Arietta, you can come on the show and you can say that uh, perhaps you can make your own determination of when to bat flip uh, based on the emotions of the moment and that you'll let it slide because nobody deserves anything in the ribs goodness me but on the flip side of that we, we don't f- feel like we should just be handing out do-overs all the time so this week a gold star I think star. that's rather brilliant so I did good right I mean I would have thought you'd get a gold star you enjoy that you've earned it a new drop <laughs> no, I'm gonna be honest that's at least 10% of the reason I wanted to give out the gold star <laughs> 10% well it's not 90%. no the other reason is because they actually did earn it <laughs> Fox Sports has hired full-time to be an analyst Alex Rodriguez. That Yay! was weird cadence, weird syntax, but A-Rod's going not work for Fox Sports. And that's awesome. He is so good on TV. It's just so refreshing to hear him talk because the guy knows everything about baseball and he's not afraid to be critical of players. Yep, and Pete Rose. I feel bad that he's not going to be beside Pete Rose all the time because Pete Rose deserves as much shade as he could possibly get. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, No, but A-Rod's awesome. Yeah, I don't watch a lot of that, but I watched a bunch of the highlights from last year uh, in the the pre-games postseason where they had him on. And and yeah, he's got a lot of personality. And I think think A-Rod is, for his era, he he encapsulates sort of everything that was right and wrong about baseball from like the late 1990s through his retirement. He the so yeah, I I know people are like, "Oh, he was a cheater and he was this." He's like, "Yeah, he was a cheater in a time when there were a lot of cheaters. Uh he was a guy who played with a great passion and thought he had to do everything he could to win in a time when a lot of other people were doing that." He he just and he is a real student of the game. Everything I've ever read about him, he lives and breathes baseball why shouldn't that guy be talking about baseball if he's good yeah, at that's, expressing that's it? the best part it's like this guy baseball is his life yeah yeah it's all he cares about and it, he knows so much about it and he knows how to talk about it that's the biggest difference between some players who become analysts like al rodriguez <laughs> and then someone who some who worked for the jays like pat tabler um actually i don't know if he knows about it but he knows how to make it interesting here's what happened here's what should have happened yeah super cool so kudos fox sports all right final thought yeah actually this is gonna be i'm gonna plug a piece i wrote because i want people to read it (laughs) that's that's usually the reason why we plug things but uh, go ahead (laughs) (laughs) fair point uh i when i was down in at the at the park and i actually got the chance to interview all the jays catchers and Jay Happ, because I was just, I was curious how they approach pitch calling. And I wrote a piece about it and I thought it was really neat hearing all of the stuff that Martin goes into his thought process and everything like that. So go give it a read. All right. Um, 
do I have a final thought? You know what? I'm going to pass this week. I'm going to be I'm going to pull a Chris and not have any final thoughts. Instead, I'm going to encourage you just quickly to check out our Patreon, patreon.com/turfpod. And then I am going to note that uh, I was Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010, and you were Josh Housham, Housham at Joshua Housham, and our guest was Matt Corey of Baseball Prospectus at Maddie Maddie 2000. And this was Artificial Turf Wars episode number 47, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>